How to win a bar fight and practice diplomacy while negotiating a bounty on your head. From Civil Wars, Whistleblower Tactics, Schematic Drafting, and the Finer Points of Sith Adoption, The Essential How-To Guide for the Engineering Jedi, by Jack Daw read by Sam Gabriel, based on the works of George Lucas. Content warnings available in description. Chapter 19 I Fear No Spectre of Endless Darkness When Zev opened his eyes, the room was already awash in a marbled pattern of gold and shadow, sunbeams streaming in through the curtains someone forgot to close last night, the gentle ticking of rain against the windows nearly lulling him back to sleep as thunder rumbled softly in the distance. Groaning softly as he blinked against the light, he fuzzily tried to remember where he was as he sunk back further into a cocoon of warmth and comfort. Thoughts flowed slowly through his mind like honey through a siphon, and vague impressions of yesterday floated through him in tatters of memories, getting stronger with every moment as he involuntarily continued waking up from his warm, comfortable haze. The conversation with his dad. Fuck, that had been something he'd never thought he'd have. Or at least not until his dad was too old and decrepit to actually do anything about it, which was functionally the same thing, but with extra steps, yes. But it was the thought that counted. But he'd survived, somehow, and his dad... His dad... His dad had told him he loved him. That he was proud of him. That he still cared after... Even after everything. And that he'd never hated him. Never. Fuck. He groaned as he ran a hand over his face, biting back the tears that threatened to return... Damn it, he'd already cried enough about this yesterday if his memories could be trusted. Rubbing at his eyes, he breathed in shakily, giving up after the third try and simply letting his arm lie limply over his face, breathing in as deeply and calmly as he could, in and out, in and out. His dad loved him. His dad loved him, and that just... Fuck. It shouldn't have had as much of an impact on him as it did. He'd known that his dad loved him even before this, but now his dad knew, and that... His dad knew. He knew, and he still loved him. Fuck, that was... He didn't know he even could have that. He didn't know that one day his employer, the second-in-command of the Empire, and his dad could all one day know, and none of them would be ratting him out or having him arrested or even silently glaring at him with disappointment while muttering about where had they gone wrong. Okay, admittedly that last one was mostly something he'd feared his dad would do, and then mostly in the best-case scenarios he dared to imagine when thinking about what would happen if his dad ever found out and didn't immediately disown him and... and... He'd been hugged. His dad told him he was sorry. That he should have done better, and that he that he should have been able to trust him and just... Zev groaned, pressing his arm down harder until he saw spots dance before his eyes. Force, he thought he'd worked through this yesterday. He'd cried and raged and ranted until his throat was sore and his energy was gone, 
and Nurse Vivian was fussing and scolding him over not resting like she'd told him to. And it wasn't fair to expect it all to be better, he knew that, he did. But it hadn't stopped a small part of himself, okay, maybe a rather large part, from hoping it would all be over with. He was almost annoyed with his past self for admitting that things weren't all right. But he had a feeling that thought would earn him Luke's disappointed eyebrows, and he really would rather not... Wait. He blinked through the sleep-thick haze as his stream of consciousness slowly ran to a halt, spinning listlessly in circles as it tried to grab onto that thought. Luke. Luke, Luke, Luke. There was something with that name and the strange man that he was forgetting. Something important. Fuck! He cursed loudly, bolting upright and wincing as his wound pulled under the back to patches and bandages. The fucking graduation. Half flopping back down and rolling over to grab his calm off of his nightstand, Zev blinked as he saw the cheerful reminder displayed on the home screen in a little text bubble. Freedom Day. He'd entered that over a month ago, on a more modern calm model than this one with shaking hands and an even shakier grin, brushing away scared but hopeful tears as he'd had the final conversation with the director and the rest of the faculty on his advanced graduation. He hadn't even known then what life would look like after today, but he'd hoped. Force had he hoped. And now it was here. He was here. Blinking at the cheerful little text bubble on screen for a second longer, he slowly rolled back into the mass of pillows behind him, his calm resting on his stomach as he stared up at the ceiling. Fuck, now he was here. Two days ago, he'd woken up and thought that he might get some entertainment out of his soon-to-be boss waltzing around the talent exhibition. Now, two days later, he'd once again woken up, this time in a bed that he was confined to after getting chased around the city, meeting people from an underground resistance network that smuggles ex-slaves, having a firefight on top of an ancient train through abandoned tunnels deep below the earth, and getting what was it again? Oh yes, shot. All in less than twenty-four hours of meeting his boss face to face for the second time. He was beginning to suspect that he might have bitten off more than he could chew in signing up to be a private aide, and not in the sense that there would be more paperwork to file than he expected. And there was no backing out of it now, though. Not now that his contract had officially gone into full effect the moment the chrono had switched over from twenty-three fifty-nine to four zeros in a row. And if he was perfectly honest with himself, as much as the thought of more of this scared him, he kind of didn't want to back out. He snorted as he lifted the calm back up again, staring at the cheery little Freedom Day with a wry, almost mocking smile. For as he was, is young. Which he knew, no matter what his dad said. But this was the first time he could really see and feel just how young. The innocent little marker that he'd put out for himself as if it were the day of some grand adventure vacation suddenly seemed like a lifetime ago after... after everything. Force he could already see that two days ago would be the day he'd point at when he was old and withered as the before, or perhaps only one of many befores that'd flow over into afters. Before, when he was still fearing Compnor and how it would kill him in all but name, slowly but surely. 
Before, when he and Quinn didn't both have blood on their hands and a kill count large enough that you almost needed a second hand to count it on, but also didn't have a quiet but growing understanding between them. Before, when he hadn't had reason or will to forgive some of his enemies until he learned, remembered what enemies truly looked like, and rendered the school rivalries almost petty in comparison. Before, when he'd still feared the day that he'd be found out and would be dragged off to be publicly made an example of despite Luke's reassurances, until his protector had put his money where his mouth was and made Darth Vader bend to his will. Before, when he never would have thought eight hours of high-octane and adrenaline-fueled action would be enough to forge bonds strong enough to hold up over the distance between stars but now couldn't imagine ever casting the ones he did have aside. Before, when he'd still thought his father hated him sometimes, when he was having an especially bad day and nothing looked like it would ever work out. Before, when everything still made some form of fucked-up sense, but only pointed him to a life of depression, misery, and loneliness. He sighed as he dropped his calm back against his stomach, shaking his head slightly. Force a couple of days, hell, a couple of hours really shouldn't have ended up making as much of a difference as they did, no matter if it felt like weeks. But it did. It really, really did. And now he could look back just three days and honestly say that he'd lost some kind of innocence. Something that perhaps he had to lose in order to survive, but a loss nonetheless. Maybe it had something to do with the blood on his hands that his stomach still didn't sit entirely at ease over. Maybe it had something to do with having people after him who genuinely wanted him dead and made no bones about it. Maybe it had something to do with watching what his protector had become under the influence of something he was still scared to think about and that he suspected held far more power than any government or corporation ever could. He was here now, though. A bit less innocent and a bit more grown, but here. Now where would this path take him? Through more pain and death? Through more glimpses of harrowing fates resting between fangs and teeth? He groaned and closed his eyes again, shaking his head as if he could shake it free of his musings. Turning over resolutely towards the window, he watched as a gold and gray marbled sky rolled by a shower of light tapping softly against the windows as the rain came down. Fuck, it was too early for these kinds of morose thoughts. Was it something they'd given him last night before bed? He'd have to ask Vivian what the side effects were of the meds they had him on. He'd survived. He'd survived and was still in one piece. That was enough. Closing his eyes, he let the soft tapping of the rain fill his senses and sunk back into the comfortable warmth of his bed, thinking of nothing. He didn't want to face the world yet, and his first official day of employment was apparently going to be spent in a warm bed with criminally soft sheets. Something told him he'd regret it for a long time to come if he didn't take advantage of that fact. Of course, that was when his calm buzzed angrily against the sheets cracking his eyes back open and glaring at the little device that was buzzing furiously against the bed like an impotent bug stuck on its back, Zev couldn't help but groan. Guess he wasn't going to get that quiet day after all. 
Grabbing the accursed thing, which was entirely unfair to it, it did its best, but he wasn't feeling generous today. Zev blew out a breath as he shook it a couple of times to get the screen to light up again after it winked back out, trying to recalibrate the automatic wake-up feature. The comm he had right now was of a significantly older and buggier model than the one he'd had before Luke had crushed his to splinters, but it was the only thing that could be arranged on short notice, and he would probably drive himself mad without it when confined to bed. Thank fuck that his account could still be transferred over to the old thing and he still had all his files and contacts. For example, the contact that was now popping up in a little speech bubble on the home screen. Quinn, the jazz man. Hey man, you up? He sighed and opened up the messaging menu, shooting a quick message back and dying only a little inside when it took three tries to get the calmed response to his inputs. My finals have finals. Yaram up. My finals have finals. Hang on a moment. My finals have finals. He is now known as Number One Tired Secretary. Number One Tired Secretary. There, better. Number One Tired Secretary. What do you want? Quinn, the jazz man. You up for some of us coming over? Quinn, the jazz man. Some shit happened yesterday that you probably should know about. Number one tired secretary. Oh? Quinn, the jazz man. It concerns your man. Zev immediately felt his face combust as heat flooded his cheeks, wide awake in mere moments. Number one tired secretary. He's not my man. Quinn, the jazz man. <laughs> Quinn, the jazz man. Oh, dude, you're too easy. Number one tired secretary. STFU. Quinn, the jazz man. Never. Number one tired secretary. I will cut your ass. Quinn, the jazz man. You sure you don't want to bite your man's ass instead? A high-pitched sound like air escaping a leak left him, and he was pretty sure he now knew what a shellfish being boiled alive felt like. Number one tired secretary. Quinn! Quinn, the jazz man. <laughs> Number one tired secretary. You fucking bastard! Quinn, the jazz man. You love me! Quinn, the jazz man. But not as much as you love Luke Lars. <laughs> Number one tired secretary. <laughs> Number one tired secretary. I can and will text my dad to keep you all out of my room. Quinn, the jazz man. And I'll convince Tyrion to turn on the puppy dog eyes and beg sir to tell your dad to let us through. Quinn, the jazz man. Ain't nobody gonna get in his way after what happened yesterday. Number one tired secretary. What? Number one tired secretary. Quinn, what are you talking about? Quinn, the jazz man. Nothing that's safe talking about in the comms. Quinn, the jazz man, which is why we need to come by. Number one tired secretary. Pull the other one, it's got a back-to-patch on it. Quinn, the jazz man. Zev, I'm dead serious. I'm not talking about yesterday over the comm. Not even I'm that stupid. Number one tired secretary. And you say this is about Luke? Quinn, the jazz man. That's what I said, didn't I? Quinn, the jazz man. Look, you're going to be working with Sir for a long while to come if I'm judging this situation correctly. Quinn, the jazz man. You gotta know what you're getting into if this is what I think it is. Number one tired secretary. Number one tired secretary. Come over, you can bring the others. Quinn, the jazz man. Will do. Quinn, the jazz man. 
BRT. Sighing deeply, Zev scrolled back to see what he could possibly divine out of Quinn's cryptic texts, something that not even Quinn wanted to confine to a temporary calm. That could be pretty much anything when it came to Luke, everything from killing someone in broad daylight to being... to being the long-lost heir of Alderaan in a boo or something. Fuck, he sure didn't know. It was Luke. Anything could happen. Anything had happened, as far as he knew. Fuck. He pressed the heels of his hands hard into his eyes until he saw spots, taking a few deep breaths. Right. Time to focus. Luke could handle himself, and even if he couldn't, it's not like the literal army backing him up would let anything happen. This wasn't anything for him to worry about. He was just the secretary. Just the secretary. Fuck. Why did it feel like that sentence had hidden teeth? A knock on the door startled him out of his musings, and he propped himself up on his elbows. Come in! He called out towards the door, propping up pillows behind him and leaning back into them when the door opened with a click and a hiss. The aged and engraved brass slid aside to reveal a gaggle of familiar faces clustered together, three students and three... three ex-charges, current charges, flight path confidants. Hey, bro. Crane gritted with a small grin as he carefully stepped into the room, the others following behind him. How are you feeling? Whoa! Quinn wobbled dangerously in place as he was shoved aside, Tyrion ducking hastily by him as between one blink and the next, Zav's field of vision was suddenly filled with the heir's concerned face. Zav! Tyrion cried as he leaned in over the bed, eyes wide and worried, Zav rearing back as best as he could to not get knocked right into the air. Are you okay? We saw you get the shot, but then there was the whole kidnapping thing, and you were gone once we got back, and they said you were all right, but no one would let us see you, and— Blown out here. Quinn's voice soothed, and as two hands suddenly appeared on Tyrion's shoulders to haul him back out of Zev's personal space. I know you're as concerned about him as we are, but let's give Zev some space, okay? A jolt of realization seemed to run through the air, quickly followed by a blush that stained his cheeks a pretty pink as he fidgeted with what Zev could only now see— was a pretty elaborate set of robes and accessories. Royal blue velvet softly crunched together as Tyrion twisted his hands into it, fingers delicately plucking at the elaborate band of silver embroidery that ran along the entire hem that matched the silver dangling earrings and circlet that sat on his forehead. I... right, he stammered out in a whisper. Sorry, Zev, I just wasn't thinking, I guess. It's all right, he muttered before he was even entirely aware the words had left his mouth and he mentally shook himself out of the shock of suddenly having Tyrion shoved so very close and in his face. Please, he said, gesturing towards the edge of the bed. Sit down. And the rest of you can make yourselves comfortable too, he added on after a second as he glanced at the rest of the gang. Quinn was still tentatively hovering over Tyrion as the air sat down delicately at the edge of Zev's bed, but the rest of the gang was still lingering in the doorway mostly busying themselves by looking highly amused at the situation. Even Alun seemed to have a relatively fond eye-roll to spare for the whole situation as he ambled into the room, Valmora and Zariah close on his heels while Lackmere brought up the rear and closed the door behind him as she floated in on her hover chair. They all quickly found places throughout the room on some of the guest chairs scattered around it or the plush carpet underneath, with Quinn claiming the chair Luke had dragged to his bedside, and Val settling in on Lackmere's lap as she parked her hoverchair. None of them took up a seat on his bed like Tyrion did, though. Well then, he sighed as he settled back against the cushions. 
As you can see, I'm fine. More than fine, really. The amount of back that they slathered me in. That earned him a few snorts and laughs, and he grinned quietly at the small circle of friends. Were they friends now, after all of this? Maybe... You won't seem to be looking better than the last time I saw you as well, he continued quickly, unwilling to pursue that train of thought to its conclusion. Lackmere, he greeted with a nod and a smile towards the Wookiee lady, now possessing both a hover chair, a freshly bandaged knee, and intricate braiding in her fur that curled all over her chest. How's the leg? The Wookiee lady in question let out a growling laugh and a short, contented purring sound after that. It's fine, cub. Thal translated as she lounged back into Lackmere's chest with all the contentment of a tuca that had just landed on their favorite person and picking up a few loose strands of fur to braid into the larger hole. The imps took good care of it. He blinked. Cub? he asked. That's new. Lackmere chuckled in a throaty growl as Val snorted, and Quinn sighed heavily beside him. Now that we've apparently proven our worth, these three have decided to take us into the fold. And since Lackmere is apparently 235 years old, Zav nearly choked on his own spit as he registered the number given. She's decided to take us all on as her cubs, Quinn continued, shooting him a sympathetic look at the sound he made. Lackmere merely laughed harder, her canines flashing in the golden light streaming into the room as Val fondly rolled her eyes while tucked in her lap. I suggest going along with it, she offered with a grin while her partner laughed herself silly. Lucky can be pretty persuasive when she wants to be. Lackmere finished laughing with a wolfish grin and pressed a soft kiss between Val's Leku, still snickering softly before looking up to meet Zev's gaze and growling softly. How have they been treating you, cub? Val translated, and yeah, no, Zev wasn't going to question this. Fine, he said with a shrug. I've been slathered in more bacta than I've ever seen in my entire life, and that's not even counting the literal bath of the stuff I apparently had while I was out, so the most the wound does now is pull a little every now and then. He absently scrabbled a bit at the bandages still covering his shoulder, layered on so thick he couldn't even feel the bacta pads layered up on his skin underneath them. From what the doctors and Luke told me, I'm doing way better than I ought to, really, he confessed quietly pressing down on the bandages and feeling only a dull ache that lacked any real teeth. Full like that and a shot of that caliber? He snorted out a soft sound. I should have cracked my skull and probably blood out from an arterial hit at least, not barely cracked some ribs and gotten a shallow flesh wound that was singed around the edges. It was more than that, he knew, but it was still odd, really odd. The doctors that had visited him yesterday when he'd first woken up had seemed nothing less than astounded with how minimal his injuries really were. The fall, that they could explain. Sometimes one really was just that lucky with momentum and bone durability. But the shot wound, that had been a little harder. As far as the doctors could tell, he had simply been very, very, very lucky in that gunfight. Something told him that wasn't the whole story. Yeah, Soraya agreed quietly rubbing her fingers softly over a scar on one of her montrals, gently soothing the limb as it twitched underneath her grasp. The wraith will do that to you. Yeah, he agreed quietly, pressing down on his bandages again. I figured that was the case here, or at least something close to it. The doctors certainly had no decent explanation for it besides, you're very lucky, sir, so I figured the next best recourse was blame Luke. 
Val Morris snorted from where she was seated and grinned up at her partner curled up around her. Look at that lucky the cub's learning, she teased, shooting Zev a wink. Glad you're finally getting with the program. Had to happen sometime, Alon chimed in from where he was scrolling through his calm. Are we all going to keep chattering or can we get to the point? I'm pretty sure that Zevulon is going to want this information sooner rather than later if he's going to be running around after Luke for the foreseeable future. Stop being a killjoy, Alon, Grim retorted with an eye roll. The man got shot. You can stand to use a few seconds of your precious time to make sure he's fine. For your information, Montador, Alon promptly shot back while continuing to scroll in his calm, only pausing to shoot an icy look over the rim of the device. While you lot have been busy chatting it up, I've been keeping on top of the situation. The situation? Luke. What situation? He demanded immediately, shooting Quinn a quelling look when he glared at Alon. Something to do with Luke, right? Quinn snorted and leaned back heavily in his chair, staring up at the ceiling while the mood in the room plummeted from lighthearted to something approximating the atmosphere of the one conversation he'd had to have with Quinn to inform him that his girlfriend had been caught cheating with the captain of the Academy's premier debate team. Awkward and with a sense that things were about to be revealed that were as shocking as they were unpleasant and embarrassing. Alun, however, didn't seem to feel the same pressure as he snorted. Something with Luke, he muttered, rapidly tapping away at his calm while getting up out of his chair. Yes, I suppose you could say that. With that, he sashayed over to Zev with a dismissive look tossed over his shoulder at Quinn. And what was that about? Before shoving the calm into his hands. Zev blinked as he saw what was displayed on the screen. In front of him, he now had a Hallowgate video that was entitled... I think the storm is haunted, and the thumbnail looked. He glanced over to the windows past Quinn and strained his neck up to see as much as he could. Yeah, no, he wasn't crazy. That really did look like the courtyard outside his room, swathed in a deep darkness and dappled with bright spots of golden light. It's at the gardens outside, Tyrion confirmed quietly as he rested a hand on Zav's leg, the pressure and warmth faint through the duvet. Trust me, I would recognize them anywhere, and besides... Uh, he cut himself off, shaking his head lightly, his earrings clinking softly with the movement as the sapphires and diamonds swung on delicate silver chains. I couldn't forget what I saw yesterday, even if I wanted to, he admitted quietly, a strange, haunted, but almost wistful look on his face as he looked out the windows, golden light glinting off of the silver circlet, luminous and dazzling in how it sparked off the sapphires and diamonds set in the graceful silver loops that arched over pale green eyes and... and... Zev shook his head and blinked a couple of times, focusing back down on the calm in his hands, trying to shake off the sudden influx of strange thoughts he'd had. Right. Situation. Incident. Luke. Right. Right. Deciding not to waste another second, he pressed play to see what the video would bring. The loading icon spun merrily for a moment before blinking away to show the courtyard in the middle of a rainstorm. Thunder rattled out of the speakers of the comm, surprisingly loud for the volume level, and lightning lit up the screen, startling the camera holder. Correction, a thunderstorm. This was the courtyard during a thunderstorm. Yesterday's thunderstorm? 
That question was answered when the camera swung around to reveal that the camera holder was standing amongst a squad of pseudoclad stormtroopers, huddled together underneath the awning of one of the gazebos. With the camera at about chest height with most of the troopers, he didn't think the camera holder themselves necessarily was one of them, but it definitely gave them a proper time frame of the when. More lightning flashed through the screen, lighting up the courtyard in a brilliant blue-white blaze as thunder crackled out of the speakers over the rattling of the rain and wind. The camera panned up to the helmet of the trooper it was focused on, who cottoned on to the fact that they were being filmed and showed it by flashing the camera a cheeky peace sign before standing back at attention, looking out over the rainy gardens. For a few moments, nothing much happened in the courtyard beyond that, as the camera slowly panned around the scenic imagery, the occasional flashes of lightning and rumbling thunder over the pouring rain admittedly making for a pretty relaxing soundtrack at least whenever the wind was kept out of the microphone, that is. He was almost ready to question what was the meaning of all this, but the moment he looked up, Alun merely bade him to continue watching with a gesture. Turning back to the video, he watched the scenic footage for a few seconds more, nearly expecting a soft piano or violin piece to start playing over it when something... shifted. It was hard to tell at first but after a moment he could swear that the thunder was getting louder, heavier, more intense. Checking the volume settings revealed that he wasn't accidentally holding his finger down on any kind of buttons or sliders without his know-how, but the audio was definitely getting louder. Lightning flashed brighter, and the camera holder startled at one point, the camera swinging up to show that lightning was forking through the sky directly overhead as rain poured down harder than ever. Gold patches of light swept through the darkness of the courtyard as the rain whipped up the clouds above into a furious dance, and a distinct sense of unease creeped up over Zev what was going on. Lightning crashed down into the courtyard. Blazing bright as a bang resonated over the speakers, screams and shrieks following shortly after as the camera holder jerked back, shaking the device like a leaf in the storm they were filming. They were quickly pulled behind the protective bulk of the troopers while they stared out intently into the courtyard, watching for the storm's next move as both they and the camera focused on the steaming, smoking patch of dirt and plants left behind by the lightning bolt. Heavy breathing could be heard over the speakers, harried and afraid, presumably belonging to the camera holder while the troopers could be heard muttering in the background, speaking quietly amongst themselves in short, brusque code words. The camera zoomed further in on the smoking patch of dirt, rain coming down harder than ever before, and... There, in the steam and smoke, was that? We're too wept. The camera holder whispered fervently over the audio as the camera itself stilled entirely, as if the holder had frozen in fear. Zev could understand why. Through the smoke and steam, the shadowy outline of a figure had become visible, Strangely silhouetted, as if covered in a cloak or veil of some kind, but with two blue eyes blazing out of the darkness and through the smoke in twin points of electric fire. Oh. Oh no. He watched, frozen, as the figure, Luke, tilted his head back, twin spots of blazing blue fire disappearing as thunder rumbled like cracking stone, and then a terrifying sound rung out. For a moment he thought it was soft thunder, 
but the rhythmic halting and stopping and slightly breathy quality quickly clued him in. Luke was laughing, laughing at the storm. Dear fucking force. The winds howled over the speakers, crackling within them as the soft, terrified sob of the camera holder could be heard. The steam of the impact swept up into a curling, spiraling form as Luke stepped through it, clinging to the hem of the flaring cloak that made up the odd silhouette as his runner revealed himself to the camera in all his glory. A storm cloud come to life, was all Zev could think as he watched the spectacle unfold, as frozen in place as the camera holder was. The hood shrouded Luke's face in shadows, and if he didn't know that it was Luke, he never would have guessed that the kind and cheery Luke Lars could be hidden underneath that hood, or even the severe and laconic storm wraith. This entity, this one, was feral, dangerous, wild. Teeth flashed bright and sharp within the shadow of the hood, and the camera shook with the fear of the one holding it as they separated, and a truly eerie sound emerged from between them. Haunting and melodic, it was beautiful in the same way a predator in motion was beautiful, in the same way the hypnotic warning colors of poisonous animals were beautiful in the same way the soft glow of radioactive elements was beautiful. It was force it was. Mesmerizing was a word that came to mind. Terrifying was another. Enchanting if one wanted a third one, and he was well aware that he probably shouldn't be feeling any of the other unnamed emotions he was feeling while watching his boss transform into nothing less than something mythic, but... Well, it wasn't like he needed to justify it to anyone. The sound dipped and rose in varying intervals, and suddenly Zev realized he was listening to a song. A song that harmonized with the very storm itself, and that was... Lightning struck down in front of Luke, filling the screen with a pillar of jagged, branching light that roared even through the tiny speakers of the calm. Zev's heart shot into his fucking throat. And Luke laughed, laughed as if he didn't have a care of fear in the world, deep and echoing and utterly unforgettable. He strode right onto the patch of burned earth with a flourish to his step that made Zev's breath catch in his chest, clearly visible for the first time since he came into view. A pair of birds with feathers that lit up in dazzling blue and purple under the lightning flashes were bound in straps, their long feather tails trailing out behind them and lying along the folds of the cloak, their heads only just peeking out over his shoulder with strangely calm eyes for animals in the midst of a storm, tethers wrapped around their captor's arm. A bowl held in the crook of the other arm, earthenware and heavy, plain but strangely ringed towards the top, filled with wood and a bottle of alcohol, held it like it was precious despite the simplistic items held inside. A sharp grin with even sharper teeth that stretched underneath blazing eyes, twin points of blue fire that stared out from the all-concealing shadows of the hood and into the world with a wildness and power that was both terrifying and awe-inspiring to behold. This, it almost didn't feel real. Steam and smoke curled up around the shadowed and misty figure Luke painted blurring the edges of him and giving the impression that he was walking on clouds, like Luke had stepped out of some painting or sculpture in an overgrown temple dedicated to a forgotten god, accoutrement and all. 
with a storm at his heels. Whether as the worshipper or the god themselves, though, that was harder to say. He couldn't help but stare at the image, transfixed and awed. Then, with a laugh and a song that were as terrifying as they were bewitching, Luke began to dance. And the storm danced with him. Whirling, twirling, spinning like a hurricane, Luke danced along the ground in wild, sweeping motions, jumping and turning in midair as graceful as a dancing crane, cloak flaring up and around like wings on display. The storm joined him as a partner, the wind sweeping steam and smoke along the ground in a bed of roiling clouds for him to dance upon, grazing and twisting around the dancer like a lover's embrace. Rain fell like a shower of precious stones, shimmering and resplendent in the patches of sunlight that shifted over Luke-like spotlights, casting it all in a dazzling shine that transmuted the cold water into a downpour of molten cold. And the lightning. He still startled something awful every time Luke took a lightning bolt as his dancing partner, laughing and singing like he was absolutely charmed by the towering, burning pillars of jagged light and power, like they were well-mannered and well-heeled young people asking him to dance at one of those galas his dad always dragged him off to instead of manifestations of nature's indomitable wrath. But over time he found himself relaxing, easing, spellbound. Luke sang and danced like a wild thing, spinning through the garden with no regard for paths or boundaries, simply stepping over them as if they weren't even there. Graceful and light on his feet, he seemed to drift on the wind like a leaf as it spun him around, fearless and ecstatic. The camera followed him without fail, as if its holder was as transfixed as he was by the sight and sound of this impossibility. It slowly panned along with Luke as he swept through the gardens in a loose, spiraling pattern, following the lightning even as the lightning seemed to be leading him in this deadly dance, like it really was a dance partner of some skill. For she really was dancing with the storm, a wild and wicked thing that leaped and twirled in time with the thunder above that was almost striking on the beat now, in perfect time with Luke's endless dance and song. And then he stopped, one second to the next in midair, lightning striking at his back barely a hair's breadth away, as Luke twisted to land with a dancer's grace, crackles of electricity barely skirting through the folds of his cloak. Steam and smoke hissed up from the ground, dancing around Luke's feet in rivulets and giving the appearance that he was floating on a sea of clouds, regal and poised and with an absolute confidence that Zev envied. Then, as if everything that had just happened was the most normal thing in the world, he walked off with a bounce in his step, calm as you pleased, leaving behind smoking and steaming craters within the grass and cinders drifting through the air before they were doused in the rain. And then the video ended. Holy fucking force. He could barely do more than think as he stared at the innocuous replay button that had appeared on screen, let alone move or breathe. What, what the hell was that? That wasn't... Nothing like that should even be possible. Yeah, that really happened, a voice said from off to his side. And with a start, he remembered that he was not alone, 
Who else? Wait, Quinn. Right, right, it was Quinn sitting by his bedside. He turns to face his friend, stiff and mechanical eyes from his perspective, and made a single, strangled, helpless sound that didn't resemble a word in any of the languages he knew, but that had Quinn sympathetically grimacing nonetheless. I don't know what to tell you, bro, he said with a helpless shrug, a pained look on his face. All I really can tell you is that the video is as real as it gets. That was... concerning. Possibly alarming. Wait, no, definitely alarming. Sweet fucking force. He should not be asked to deal with this first thing in the morning. This apparently being his employer and friend having a definite, undeniable connection to... something. Something very, very powerful that may or may not be... may or may not be... He heaved a deep breath, pushed a pillow from behind him, and buried his face in it as he let out a blood-curdling scream. He screamed until his lungs burned, and then screamed a few seconds more for good measure, letting all the frustration, confusion, and burgeoning crises of both existentialism and faith flood his voice for the duration of it. Fuck. 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 And this was not what he'd signed up for, and yet... Undoubtedly, somehow was. He had a contract copy in black and white, but this, this, this was just madness. Madness and power. Perhaps the power of madness or the madness of power, who could say? All he knew was that even with a cursory knowledge of physics, he knew that lightning did not work that way. But it did for Luke. It did for the Storm Wraith. Fuck. Fuck. He screamed louder for just a moment, just one furious moment, and then let go. With a hoarse throat and burning lungs, he flopped back into the remaining pillows and let the poor abused pillow he'd just screamed into fall onto his stomach, drained but with a much clearer head. I'm fine, he said on sheer reflex, feeling the eyes of the room on him but being far beyond caring right now. I just needed to get that out of my system. He did, too. It had been something he'd been advised long ago while trawling the holonet for resources on how to deal with the nightmares that resulted from having your friends disappeared in front of you. PTSD had been a lovely thing to discover, please note the sarcasm, but at least it had given him a name to stick on his fancy case of emotional baggage and some useful tips, one of which had been to just get things out of his system, scream, run, punch something whenever he felt like it, feed his instincts, soothe his fight-or-flight response, and get the catharsis he needed, then move on with a clearer head. Quinn nodded, more than used to his coping mechanisms, and the three flight-path confidants seemed to accept his reasoning too after a short moment of scrutiny. A lot in Tyrion, though, he could still feel their eyes on him as if he'd gone fully mad. Alon he couldn't care less about, let the prince figure it out himself, but Tyrion— I promise I'm fine, Tyrion, he repeated softly, sitting up a little to meet the concerned look the air was giving him with a hopefully reassuring smile. It helps, he explained awkwardly. With getting catharsis, I mean, it, it clears my head. And you're fine, Tyrion asked quietly resting a hand on his thigh, a voice full of concern. You're sure? I'm sure, he agreed, 
rubbing a nervous hand along his neck, sighing deeply. All right, he muttered, sinking back into the pile of pillows, rubbing at his bandages while glancing around the people gathered in the room. What's the damage and how bad is it? Do we have riots in the streets, people demanding answers, a second rebellion, complete anarchy, something else? Lay it out straight for me. He received a set of confused blinks, a few approving looks, and one begrudgingly respectful glance as Alon glanced him over, apparently seeing him in a new light. Thank the force, he said while walking over once more to retrieve his calm, casting a glance around the room. At least someone here has his priorities in order. Fuck off, Alon, Quinn shot back, seemingly on instinct, confused look deepening into a confused frown as he squinted at Zev. Are you sure you're all right, bro? he asked. I mean, I was pretty sure before, but 100% fine, Zev said, waving him off irritably. They didn't have the time for this, they'd already lost too much. He checked the video timestamp again, cursing under his breath when he saw yesterday's date displayed white on black. Fuck. Now could someone answer my questions, he said, tapping the calm screen once more and holding it deftly just out of Alun's hands as he reached for it, earning him an irritated sound in turn. Ignoring everything about that video implied a lot of things about the natural order of existence, never mind the existence of some very critical entities. This could still be a disaster in the making. What had possessed Luke to do something like this in the semi-public confines of the palace courtyard he hadn't the faintest? But scrolling through the video to some key moments, he, he almost got the sense that perhaps it hadn't been entirely Luke's choice which just meant they had to get on top of this all the sooner. If that meant that he had to postpone his crisis on what all this implied, well, surely that was just a fortunate side effect. It's been going viral, of course, Alun replied, crossing his arms in a huff as he gave up on getting his calm back from Zev. Though for now it's going viral as entertainment rather than whatever you're thinking of. He froze in the middle of his movements and glanced up at Alun meeting the prince's pale eyes and finding nothing there but a grim understanding and raw determination. They both knew then, the disaster that could occur here if this got out and people took the exact right conclusion at the wrong time. Zev could feel it, in the crisis that was still hovering over his own fragile understanding of the world. Lightning doesn't do that, storms don't do that, lightning doesn't do that, storms don't do that. And he could only imagine the fallout if people understood just what this video implied. I understand that the advice I'm about to give is completely counterintuitive, Alun continued, dry tone at odds with the still startling severe look on his face. But check the comments. There's enough people insisting that it's fake and asking if it's real, that it should be able to be spun into something not entirely catastrophic. Even if the person this concerns is Lord Vader's protégé unbeknownst to them. Right, Luke wasn't. If anyone could weather the storm, this video could kick up. If it was interpreted correctly, it would be Luke. But that still wasn't enough. Even the mighty could fall. And given that Luke was rubbing shoulders with the man who stood only just below the Emperor, he could fall very hard indeed. Scrolling through the comments, and wasn't that just a poor idea to begin with, but desperate times called for desperate measures, he guessed. Zev scanned through them to see just what the general public was thinking. Wagabler. Holy shit, I didn't even know you could do this with lightning. Dexel. 
Come on, dude, it's obviously fake. The SFX don't even look convincing. I could do more realistic electric arcs with just three hours on the editor. Lol. Nerf King. <laughs> Come off it, mate. Even if it isn't real, it's still a hell of a project to just post like this. I wonder how they got a hold of that armor. Definitely looks convincing. Hmm. Ulma 3124. Maybe they have a buddy working in the army? Oh, thank fuck. Hazarox. Hot damn. Someone is showing off what they learned in film school here. Not sure I would have chosen shaky cam as a framing device, though. 76th flyer. 80k, man. It definitely gives a pretty realistic feel. Hazarox. Realistic, maybe, but immersive is another thing entirely, bro. UI7 fed. Pretty as fucking pie, though. God damn. Yano. Yeah, Those dance moves, though. Hide eyes. Oh, thank the fucking force. Ja-na-na-na-na. Anyone got any idea who the dancer is? They move so fluid in their reactions, you'd almost think they were actually dancing with the lightning. Fazama. That bow they did toward the lightning at 347? Ah. <sighs> ja na 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 Oh my god. I know, right? Hatama Dancer. Wish my dance partner showed even half the courtesy to me that this guy does towards a lightning bolt. <laughs> Yobo. Ad Hamata Dancer. I know, right? I can't think of any reason why people would be politer to a manifestation of sheer power than to some rando. Hatama Dancer. At Yobo. Bro, I'm a planetary champion and compete at the system level in Hatama Dance and my partners are professionals. This house is on fire. At Yobo, when I'll get fucked, XD. This house is on fire. Can we talk about how they seem to be absolutely delighted to be dancing with death, though? Like, yeah, acting, but still. He heaved a big sigh and let the calm drop for a moment. Thank fuck, he muttered out loud, relief washing over him like a cooling bath. Quite, Alan agreed tersely, leaning in over his shoulder to peer at the comments on the screen. No one seems to have realized this is the courtyard of the Rosquankler Palace yet, or that the dancer is Luke, so this could still be spun as needed. We'll have to control the narrative, Sev agreed, scanning over the other comments and picking out the common strands of belief that the video was simply a skillfully created but still obvious fake. Everyone seems to be far more occupied with what the poster was trying to achieve with the video, how it was produced, and their opinions on all the actors than any real discussion on how it could possibly be real. Veritan the Piabula Man. OP. Post this stunning show of expert FFX and masterful dancing and acting that genuinely gives an air of eerie mystery and wild abandon to something unknowable. Us. Okay, but is the spooky dancer singer? Hmm. Mm-hmm. For real, though, where the fuck did OP find this dude? They're fine. Littlest you, Bob Pop. Gods, don't remind me. And that grin you can just see within the shadows of the hood? The absolute tease. Gaiaxa 3-8. For real, though, holy shit, look at that move in 239. Hot damn, their core muscles must be fucking dirt still cables with that bend. Ugh. Mother f***s unlimited. We really all just dead-ass started being horny on Maine the moment that dancer did an aerial pirouette while laughing. <laughs> Umimina. Bonk. Horny jail for all of you. 
well, at least the Net was being on brand as always. They could probably use that. Somehow. Now, if only his cheeks would stop feeling like they were on fire. Alon leaned in further over his shoulder, raising an eyebrow, and Zev hastily scrolled further before any questions could come. Now was not the time to be dealing with the fact that people were already thirst-posting over his boss and the future heir of the Empire. Or maybe it was, but either way, he wasn't going to be confronting it. Not any more than necessary, anyway. Games is the truth. Well, imagine thinking this is actually real, like some kind of moron. Mama Mama Ruckus. Imagine thinking this is actually a clever comment, lol. Lighten up and just enjoy the pretty videos someone uploaded for free, bro. You Dimu's little mistake. Well, that's rude. Mr. Robotara. Lamau, I know, right? Like, sure, the rendering is decent, but it's still obviously fake to anyone with a basic understanding of physics. And they can tell that this is entirely fixed, not even convincingly so. Winyata. At Mr. Robotara. I'm sorry, Mixed Professor Sir, but what does it even matter? It's just a cool and creepy video. Lay off. Mr. Robotara. At Winyata. Well, okay, Pleb. Winyata. At Mr. Robotara. Eh. Well, this was a good sign. They could definitely use this, if nothing else, at least until they found a way to talk with the poster and get it either taken down or find a way to snare their mouth shut. He paused in his reading, stared straight ahead, and blinked. Right, maybe he shouldn't be making decisions on how to approach other people after just having read a Hollowgate comment section. He was starting to sound a disturbing lot like an ISB playbook. A soft growl came from the far end of the room. And with another blink, he was looking straight into the concerned red and violet eyes of Lackmere and Val, respectively. You okay, cub? Val translated softly. Yeah, he said, blinking away the thoughts. Just an unexpectedly aggressive impulse on my part. Quinn snorted loudly and cracked a broad grin. Comment sections will do that to you, he agreed with a nod shifting forward in his chair and resting his elbows on his knees. Now then, what's the plan, Chief? I assume we want to do something about this? We do? Val cut in before Zev could get out a word, serious and severe. That's right, there is a communion with the storm. I doubt anyone is supposed to be witness to it. Then why do it in the courtyard for everyone to see? Alon shot back snagging his calm back from Zev's hands and leaving him both empty-handed and glaring at the blonde. Alan merely smirked at him and continued scrolling through the comments, leaving Zev to huff and reach for his own calm on the nightstand, opening up Hollowgate to do the same. He might not have been able to avoid it, Zariah answered with a quiet intensity, staring down at the woven patterns within the room's plush carpet as if she would drown in them. I heard stories, she continued softly of people who'd left Tatooine and returned. I was warned myself before we... before we left. She breathed in deeply and pulled her knees to her chest, resting her chin on them, mantrals draped down their sides. Sometimes... Sometimes when people go, they leave something behind, she continued quietly. Something important. Something alive and... and ancient. And then when they get back, those things can... They can reassert themselves pretty forcefully. She broke off with a soft shiver, eyes flitting around the room. I didn't... It, it never happened to me. 
so I thought that maybe it was an exaggeration or something, but I don't think it was. I just think that maybe you'll need to be a specific kind of person to have it happen. Someone close to those things. Someone favored who would be is missed. Gods. She was talking about gods. She had to be. Hold the calm, Quinn interrupted, abruptly swiveling around in his chair despite the chair neither being made to swivel or do so quietly. You mean to tell me that what we've got here is a video of Sir quite literally out of his force be damned gourd on a divine entity hijacking his mind? No, Val replied firmly, allowing no room for argument as she stared them all down with flinty eyes. What we have here is a champion and storm reuniting after months apart. I don't know what happened exactly, but I can say that the Wraith's patron is also the patron of the free. Whatever happened here, it came from both sides, and I don't doubt that it was long overdue. All right, then, that'd do. Right, Zev said. A little louder than perhaps needed, but just loud enough to draw all attention of the room towards him. Whatever this is, it's apparently important that it simply blows over and doesn't make any waves. Lakmir rumbled softly, and Val snorted out an agreeing sound. That's the least of it, she translated without prompting, leaning into Lakmir as she softly began stroking Val's leku. And I agree with Laki, although I don't know what you're planning to do, Cup, she finished with a tilt of her head, leaning into the soft scratches of Lakmir's claws. Damage control, Zev answered grimly while looking through the further comments, grimacing at what he found. Grav Ball Mom 5707. I'm sorry, but is no one else concerned by the animals you can see the actor holding? They're all tied up in the middle of a storm. Look at the poor deers. Look how scared they are. What kind of monster it is this? Animal exploitation for amusement has to end. Bella Bitch. I work on a farm. Those are standard transport trusses we use to transport birds so they don't harm themselves or others. Also, all things considered, those gillies, that's what they are, look remarkably calm and unbothered with being carried. So I say that whatever they did, unless they drugged birds to get them like this, is probably fine. Also, FYI, this type of bird is a game bird and is known to stay out of their shelters even in streaming rain on occasion. Because it's a half-wild bird, that's what it does. Still ought to be dancing with them, though, but who am I to judge? Grav Ball Mom 5707 Ah, Um, excuse you, I did not ask for a dirt-sucking commercial animal abuser for their opinion. You say you work on a farm, and I hope you know that special Asapul and Falknahara for people like you. You disgust me. Blocked. Elamonity. Well, that escalated quickly. Zev pinched the bridge of his nose and breathed deeply as he glanced over the comment thread a second time, feeling a throb settle in behind his eyes. Alun made an inquiring noise at his shoulder, and Zev angled the comm so that the prince could see what was being displayed, earning him a nose wrinkled in disgust and a derisive sound deep in his throat. We'll need to nip that in the bud, the prince muttered while glaring down at the comment thread. Agreed, Zev muttered. 
This kind of person could whip up their fellows into a frothing mob that would be baying for Luke's blood if they got a hold on something like this, and with the protection Luke enjoyed, it would get ugly. Still, he muttered, is anyone else working on this? Is anyone else reeling this in or keeping an eye on this? If there were other people working on this already, people with actual public relations and social media managing experience, for example, they could run the risk of getting in the way. Too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. But when he looked up, he already saw Tyrion tentatively shaking his head. I know mother and father have their people working overtime on the attack itself, he revealed, fiddling with an earring while looking off out the window. But to nothing about this, and as far as I know, they don't even know about it yet. He sighed, shifting on the bed in a way that drew the eye to the light shimmering on the silver embroidery at his throat. Focus. And uh, in the past, Tyrion continued, oblivious to Zev mentally smacking himself, I would say that it doesn't mean much. But I've been keeping on top of the development of this particular situation. He chuckled softly. I don't think I've ever seen anyone as surprised as they were when I used my own security clearance to get access to the strategies for this catastrophe fallout. All right, nice one, Tyr. Quen cheered, clapping his hands together. So are you finally ready to tell us what you found? What? He looked up and blinked glancing over to Tyrion, who had two pretty red blushes on his cheeks. You haven't told them what you found yet? Tyrion's blush only darkened further, and by now he could hear the soft clinking of the earring with how much the air was toying with it. Uh, uh, well, you know, Tyrion stammered out, avoiding everyone's eyes and ending up with his gaze fixed firmly on his lap. I didn't, uh, I didn't want you to be, to be left out, you know, he ended in a murmur tucking a stray curl behind his ear. Zev's heart resolutely did not perform a flip at that, none. Fully anatomically impossible, it didn't happen. So instead he ignored the heat he felt flushing into his cheeks and cleared his throat, looking up at the flustered air with what he hoped was an encouraging smile that didn't look nearly as shy as he felt. Well, thank you, Tyrion, he offered, voice as steady as he could make it. I appreciate it. Tyrion nodded wordlessly, still flushed a deep red, but no longer pulling on his earring, much to Zev's relief. He'd begun worrying Tyrion might accidentally pull it out, or worse, through, with how much he'd been fidgeting with it. You're welcome, the air mumbled back. Anytime, I'm sure, Quinn added dryly, winking at Zev with a smirk when he shot his friend a questioning look. Leaning back in his chair, Quinn kicked up his legs on the covers and crossed his arms, smug like a tuca that got the cream, the bird, and the fish for dinner, too. We're all here now, though, so what's the one-on-one? You were gone for quite a while, Zariah agreed, looking up from where she was curled up on the floor. We were starting to wonder if you'd ever be cleared by the doctors when even Lachmere came back before you. Tyrion's cheeks flushed even darker, but he grinned proudly regardless of it, drawing himself up high and pushing his shoulders back. Well, for one thing, mother and father are obviously handling much of the fallout. They've got the handle on the press and local government, apparently working with Lord Vader and his men to apprehend the Sixth Company. Sixth Company, so that's what their pursuers have been called, as I've thought. Is a lot easier than they anticipated. 
Cleanup at City Hall has begun, and there's been talk of restoration already. Val made a soft sound of surprise, pausing in her braiding of Lackmere's fur. That's fast, she commented. Twirling a lock of fur around her finger while Lackmere rumbled out a soft sound, Val absently nodding in agreement. Yeah, but I just didn't expect it, she mumbled back. Tyrion tilted his head in a half shrug with a soft smile. With the military handling the mercenaries and the rest, mother and father can focus fully on making sure that the city and planet is taken care of. Press statements, cleanup of the various places that got vandalized thanks to their actions, enforcement of the citywide blockade of all vehicles for the duration of the military campaign, management of triage and various local hospitals and coordination between them, and... Tyrion abruptly cut himself off, something freezing within his expression into something terribly fragile, and he stared right ahead and then down at the bedsheets. And Zev's heart dropped to somewhere around his feet. And? he asked carefully, ducking his head to try and catch Tyrion's eyes. Tyrion met his eyes with an achingly open expression, swallowing before he continued in a soft, almost hoarse voice. And they... His expression fell even further and pulled into a grimace. Well, the dead, he finished uncomfortably the air within the room souring abruptly as Zev could nearly feel the ringing within his ears again, the numb, uncomprehending shock as he saw torn-up bodies strewn everywhere, splayed out in pools of their own blood, the heart-rending sobs and cries of people either in terrible agony themselves or experiencing every moment that a loved one was no longer alive to feel, the sight of a corpse slumped over a crying prince still protecting to the very last breath. He glanced to his side and squared his jaw when he saw clenched fists held stiffly by a shaking body and a drawn expression. Alon stood tense, coiled up like a spring, and had a faraway, pained look in his eyes. It was strange, Zev thought distantly, that out of all of them, only Alon had truly lost someone that day. So many students had perished, so many parents and representatives of all manner of things, and yet, in this room, only Alun had fresh grief to deal with. He wondered if the prince knew how to cope with it. Are you okay, Cub? Val asked softly, concern shining out of her eyes with all the gentleness of a mother. I'm fine, Alun answered stiffly. And Zev had to wonder if the prince even believed himself with how his voice trembled. He sucked in a breath through his teeth and rubbed furiously at his eyes. What arrangements are being made? he asked, voice ringing as hollow and dead as the look in his eyes when his arm fell back to his side. Something wrenched within Zev's heart, and he could admit that even if he didn't fully like Alun yet, this was... The prince shouldn't have to deal with this. Not after what they'd already been through. Not after... Not after he was pinned into a corner under the corpse of his friend. He wasn't that heartless. And it seemed Tyrion agreed with him, as the air grimaced and nodded softly. The bodies are being examined by the local coroners all around the city to establish all the papers needed for both the death certificates and the, and the pending court case against the Sixth Company. 
Tyrion began carefully, as gently as he could. After that, they'll be turned over to the next of kin, or anyone else who may bear responsibility for executing whatever testament or cultural mandate the deceased had for their body disposal. Then the unclaimed bodies will be cremated by our house in a state funeral, according to quite customs after a few months. They'll be kept in stasis until that happens by whatever means we can arrange. The sheer efficiency of the way Tyrion spoke of the way bodies were being processed disturbed something in Zev. It sounded almost mechanical, and with the addition of triage in various hospitals, how many? His mouth formed the words before he was fully aware of them, but once they were out into the air and all eyes turned to him, he couldn't find it within him to take them back. Wetting his lips and mouth that fell as dry as cork, he repeated the question. How many? He got out. How many dead? How many had died in this senseless attack? How many had died for the prospect of cold, hard cash? Tyrion swallowed heavily, something pained and broken in his eyes as they met Zev's. The current estimate he rasped out softly. Is eighty-two. Eighty-two. Holy thrice damned force. The number may yet rise, Tyrion continued softly, fidgeting with his earrings as he sighed. There's people still in the hospital in critical condition from both the initial attack and from the later battles fought in the streets to get the Sixth Company under control. The doctors are doing what they can, but in some cases not even. Not even back days enough. That, that was nothing he wanted to contemplate too closely. Anything that couldn't be cured by Bacta tended to be complete immunocompromise, acute allergic reactions, retrograde amnesia, nasty, and brutal on everyone involved. Quinn, however, didn't have that kind of restraint as he nervously tapped the heel of his foot. Two, dude. What the hell is severe enough that Bacta can't fix it? He muttered nervously, completely ignoring Zev's venomous glare shot in his direction. But it was Zariah who spoke up. Getting bisected would do it, she whispered, just loud enough to be heard in a room that was suddenly quiet enough to hear a pin drop. Zev closed his eyes and swallowed hard. Yeah, that would do it, Val agreed quietly. And a peek from beyond his eyelids let him bear witness to the distant, haunted look that both women had gotten in their eyes. Lackmere softly rubbed Val's shoulders while rumbling out a soft, soothing sound. And Zev got the distinct impression that he really didn't want to know. He wetted his lips and slowly shook his head. I don't think you want to know, Quinn, he answered quietly. I really think you don't want to know this one. Quinn slowly glanced between the two women, head moving as if he was trying not to startle a predator, and nodded with just as much care. Yeah, he agreed, his voice sounding like he'd gotten something stuck in his throat. Yeah, I, I think that might be the best way to go here. 
Zav breathed deeply and shot him a shaky, unconvincing smile that nonetheless did something for Quinn as he relaxed his shoulders. Right, he muttered, rubbing his temples and clearing his throat in the half-hearted hope that it would clear away the morose and gruesome images that had settled into his brain with that little revelation. Eighty-two people died, thanks to the Sixth Company. I don't think it's a stretch to assume that people are baying for the blood of the remaining members of said company, he summed up, trying to breathe through his nose and not pay too much attention to the tense and trembling form of a lun standing by his bedside. He had the feeling that if he did, the prince might just snap and lash out. Tyrion once again came through in matching Zev step for step in managing the room's inhabitants and flow of information. Yes, he agreed, face hardening into something that held a hint of vicious satisfaction so uncharacteristic to the soft-spoken air, and yet oddly fitting all at once. The new cycle all over the planet and the likely beyond has been talking about nothing but the attack, Tyrion revealed. If the arrested members of the company get anything less than a life sentence... I suspect we'll have a riot on their hands. Even the crowds, who didn't particularly care either way about the politics, are fired up thanks to it being an attack on an event primarily focused on students and their parents. Then the air winced, grimacing a bit. Although I will admit that no small part of that is due to the media broadcasting the names and past prospects of the deceased as well. Fuck. Oh, this was going to be a bloodbath. One way or another, someone was going to get flayed alive by public opinion, and now it was just a matter of rather the other guy than us. Well, he said, feeling a bit lightheaded as he tries to envision the sheer extent to which this powder keg stood ready to blow. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it seems we'll have to hope that the usual tender mercies of the Imperial Courts prevail. The Imperial Courts uh, might not be handling this one, Tyrion cut in with a wince. And it took Zev a good five seconds to register those words. What? For a second he thought that he might have said those words. But then the trembling of Alun's figure from the corner of his eye came into focus, and he realized he wasn't the only one stunned at what he just heard. Glancing over, Zev quickly corrected his previous assumption. Not a single one of Alun's limbs seemed to be trembling out of surprise. No. If the prince's slowly building expression was anything to go off of, he was trembling with nothing less than unbridled rage. What? Alun hissed dangerously. Fists clenched even tighter by his side and eyes unusually bright and shining with something more than mere reflected light. Do you mean the Imperial Courts might not be handling this one? They attacked a school event of Kumpnar. They injured a great many Imperial allies. They killed a young Duke of Alun, he shouted, vicious and furious. What could you possibly mean by saying they might not be involved? All right, calm the hell down for a sec, Quinn cut in, standing up out of his chair to hover at Alun's shoulder, glancing between the incensed prince and Tyrion, who'd reeled back at the sheer venom in Alun's words. 
Whatever's going on, I'm sure that Tyr has a good explanation for it, despite the fact that he isn't the one pulling the strings. That last part was said so especially pointedly towards Alun that even the prince, enraged as he was, couldn't miss it. And his head shot towards Quinn with a snarling snap of his bared teeth. Quinn, in a move so uncharacteristic that Zeb was left blinking, didn't retaliate in kind, and instead stood his ground without flinching. Locking eyes with the prince, Quinn stared down the incensed Alun, a silent communication exchanged between the two even as Alun's chest heaved with barely restrained rage. The two held the other's gaze for one, two, three moments, upon which Alun abruptly broke it by looking away with a furious grunt, chest still heaving with deep breaths as he pinched the bridge of his nose. Tension lined every sinew of the prince, and looked both as powerful and brittle as stone, ready to shatter. And then there was a hum. A soft voice cut through the tension in the air like a sunbeam on a winter morning so cold the air crackled, soft and drifting and oddly familiar, even if the singer wasn't. To Zev's surprise, it was Zariah who was making the noise, staring straight at the prince from where she was sitting with a strange, almost detached look in her eyes. Or no, not detached. Her gaze was far too focused for that, but she looked like she was looking right through Alun. Despite all of the tension in the room, she did not seem to react whatsoever to the prince lashing out with seemingly little to no provocation and just hummed, a slow, haunting refrain that drifted through the air, thrumming with something. Then Valmora joined in a slightly deeper alto to Zariah's soprano, with Lackmere jumping in at some nebulous point to rumble out a deep, rich baritone as the bass. And it was familiar. He knew it from somewhere, but what?
shivered as the memories of a kitchen floor came rushing back, a ghost of shame creeping up the back of his neck as he remembered breaking down in front of a complete stranger, turned boss, turned friend. But the former desert dwellers didn't wait for him to get over his remembered mortification, if they noticed at all, and continued to sing with an ethereal morning chorus. It was strange how the song, hymn, seemed to weave its way through the air and into his mind. It settled something within him, and apparently not just him, as he glanced over to where Alun was watching the song with almost offended bafflement, even as the tension slowly drained out of his form. He thought that perhaps it was Luke that had caused his initial reaction, but even now he could feel himself settling into that strange headspace of calming and catharsis even as he couldn't understand the words. Glancing back over to Alon, Zev did a quick double-take to make sure he wasn't seeing things that weren't there. A tremble ran over the shoulders of the prince, subtle but definitely there, and were his eyes brighter. Val and Zariah joined in together on the last verse of the song, voices molding together like cobwebs floating on the wind. They gazed directly at the prince, Something reflected in their eyes that spoke of both understanding and sympathy. Silence fell back over the room. Interrupted by the soft tapping of the rain and distant roar of thunder. But the building tension that had been drained out of the air like an infection 
leaving behind only a vague sense of catharsis and lingering feelings of grief that gnawed at his heart. Zariah rested her head back on her propped-up knee, and Lakmir and Val settled back into the former's hover chair, staring at the now-becalmed prince with something close to fascination, or perhaps understanding. Maybe both. Whoa, Quinn breathed softly after a moment, having leaned forwards in his chair sometime during the song but appearing to be entirely oblivious to how he'd inadvertently perched himself on the edge of his chair, as if to try and get as close as possible to the source without even realizing it. What was that? A funeral hymn, Sev answered quietly, the words out of his mouth before he could stop them or any of the others could answer. He shook his head, trying to regain control of his faculties before he blurted out another thing. Or a morning song, he added, still staring at the desert dwellers, who were now all regarding him with equally interested stares, ignoring the stares of the others. Or both. I'm not entirely clear on the specifics. Got it in one? Val muttered softly, tilting her head at him in a manner that mirrored a curious tuka. How did you know? Luke sang it for me he admitted, rubbing his hand along the bandages covering his chest, feeling the wound underneath twinge but not hurt. Before, before he took me on as his charge. The wraith sung this for you? Val asked, looking stunned even as Lakmir growled softly behind her in what seemed to be agreement. He nodded, still rubbing his bandages hoping to ground himself in the feel of the woven material over the phantom sensation of a cold, marble kitchen floor he could almost feel around him again. I... I told him about people I'd lost, he admitted quietly, people I couldn't talk about. Luke... Luke was the first to hear the full story, and the one who helped me through it when it all became too much. The before that we don't talk about? Quinn asked, a knowing look having overtaken his face when Zev glanced over. Yeah, he admitted, closing his eyes to steady himself for just a moment. He sang it to cool me down when it all just... He breathed out heavily and looked up at the prince who was observing him with an achingly vulnerable expression, gut shot and wounded, that immediately shuddered into the usual sneer the moment he realized Zev was watching. How are you doing? Zev asked softly, performing one of the most graceless topic switches in his life but unable to care, as he felt the cracks within himself threaten to tear open all over again after they'd only just begun to be patched up after yesterday. Fine, Alon answered brusquely wiping at his eyes with quick, harsh motions like he hoped they wouldn't notice if he went about it fast enough. Brusque, but not angry. Not like he could snap at any moment, not volatile. Liar, Val rebuked gently, smiling as though she was looking at a toddling kit instead of an emotionally repressed prince who was likely dealing with his first real confrontation of death and liable to lash out while he did. 
but we won't press. She added just before Alun could shoot her an absolutely venomous glare that seemed to faze her about as much as being threatened with a wreath of flowers. Grief and time will do that for us eventually. And with that unsettling prophecy now out there, Zev rapidly glanced between the two parties. The thoroughly unsettled and unnerved prince who looked torn between lashing out and retreating from what was undoubtedly one of the most irreverent, cryptic yet blunt, confrontational, and strangely compassionate conversations he'd had in his life, and the utterly at peace and relaxed figures of the desert dwellers who were observing the wild oscillations of emotion with a restrained kind of, of amusement, or perhaps it was pity. Zav shivered and settled a little further under the comforter before he'd even realized what he was doing. There was something so deeply, deeply strange and out of place about the way they behaved that was difficult to place, but that distantly echoed Luke's mannerisms. Perhaps it was a cultural thing. Perhaps it was a Luke thing. He decided that he liked neither of those options. He also decided that he was just about done dealing with all these various emotional crises that required some bullshit ephemeral personal revelations instead of dealing with a public crisis that had a far more concrete shape and solution. Right, he said, a little louder than needed and drawing all eyes to him. Not necessarily a position he wanted to be in, but needs must, and he was just about done with this. If we're all ready to move on, I suggest we let Tyrion finish speaking. Half the room startled, among which Tyrion, as if even he had forgotten that he'd been talking before Alon's emotions boiled over. The other half, the desert dwellers, looked like they were barely holding back a laugh, not at the startled faces around the room, but at him. He raised an eyebrow towards Val, who was looking at him like one would look at a child, confidently asserting that the sun wasn't gone, silly. It had just gone to hide. Care to show what's so funny? he asked, trying his damnedest to clamp down on any challenge in his tone and failing by a hair's breadth. Nothing you won't figure out on your own eventually, she assured him with a grin, eyes glittering with mirth. Thank you, how unhelpfully ominous. He shot back with a flat look. We are not runners, Zariah shot back with a grin. We're under no obligation to be ominous of the helpful variety, or helpful at all, really. Shut it, he retorted easily, entirely unimpressed and entirely done with the bullshit of the cryptic, mystic, esoteric, and several other X varieties that already had him pending two separate existential crises on the nature of existence and the divine, which he still needed a pencil in for later, come to think of it. We're going to listen to Tyrion, we're going to get back on track, and then we're going to finally deal with the whole situation that started this situation, understood? Finally, a proposal I can get behind, Alon snarked, clearly and poorly trying to cover up how rattled he'd been and still was, but Zev was going to let him have this one, because he'd only been awake for two, maybe three hours at most by this point, and already it was a long, long day. Breathing in deeply, he took a moment to try and manage the accumulating frustrations and fears. Lightning doesn't do that, storms don't do that, lightning doesn't do that, storms don't do that, lightning— Before he turned towards Tyrion, because if he didn't, he might just— might just— Well, he might just snap at him, and something inside him balked at the mere thought of it. 
So deep breaths it was, taking an air deep through the nose as he closed his eyes for a moment to try and deal with the fact that he was about to do this while lying injured and bandaged in a makeshift hospital bed after getting shot. For a job he was probably technically maybe on a sick leave for, despite this being only his first day on it, because he cared about the mysterious lunatic that was now his boss-slash-protector-slash-friend. He should have insisted on higher hazard pay. Maybe once he could scrape up the courage again to deal with the surprisingly sharp and predictably ruthless contract negotiations of one Lord Vader, preferably with Luke there to buffer. A soft weight suddenly came to rest on his leg and then gently squeezed, prompting his eyes to open and look straight into the pale green eyes of Tyrion that had his face glowing with heat in no time flat. Shifting his leg slightly to dislodge the hand before it could cause a blush severe enough to cook him through, Zev coughed softly in the back of his throat and nodded towards Tyrion. Please, he muttered, continue. I am um, right, Tyrion agreed, fiddling with his earrings as he took a deep breath. Where was I? The Imperial Courts might not be involved in this case despite its high profile, Quinn promptly summed up arms resting on his knees as he leaned in from his chair. Which I gotta admit I'm definitely curious about. Zev had to agree. This was... There were kids and parents dead, who were sometimes aristocracy, royalty, the scions and heads of great dynasties of economic and political titans, sometimes with whole systems under their wings. This wasn't just an act of terrorism chasing a paycheck of millions— this was an act that had the assassination of heads of state as collateral, and someone was to blame. This was ostensibly the textbook version of a case that the imperial courts were created to handle for crying out loud, to then say that they might not be involved. To be fair, Tyrion began hesitantly, that was a bit of a misnomer on my part. It's not the most likely outcome of what's being discussed at the moment, but at the moment there's talk of allowing the court, the courts to function under the supervision of the Imperial Court as a matter of... He shifted uncomfortably. Patching up certain diplomatic damages. Patching up. Hold on, he interrupted faintly, seeing the larger picture begin to sketch itself out in front of his mind's eye. Hold on, you mean to tell me that the Imperial Courts are making concessions for Quartz political expediency? What kind of upside-down, inside-out world? Yes, Tyrion agreed with a wince. Although I believe that there was a distinct emphasis on exonerating House Aquara in the eyes of the Galactic Republic. Emphasis by whom? Alan asked icily eyes flashing with barely restrained anger. Tyrion swallowed once and shifted uncomfortably. Lord Vader, he admitted finally, and like fireworks going off, the full picture suddenly illuminated itself in front of Zev, and he had no idea what it meant. Seemingly so had no one else, as the general mood in the room froze over at the mere mention of the terrifying specter that probably haunted some of their childhood nightmares. Even Alun looked distinctly discomforted by the idea of challenging the Lord, even if only in semi-private conversation. 
He breathed deeply, trying to get his mind to cooperate with the seemingly incompatible information it had just been fed. Right, he began, pulling a hand through his hair and trying to piece it all together. All right. So if I'm understanding all this correctly, Lord Vader was the one to suggest that the Quat Courts, a planetary court system, be allowed to prosecute this case of what is essentially intergalactic terrorism and treason, while effectively being only nominally under the supervision of the Imperial Courts, the intergalactic and highest authority court system that ostensibly speaks the Emperor's judgments directly. Tyrion swallowed and nodded. Yes, that's right. And the reason this is being done at all, he continued, massaging his temples to hopefully try and stimulate the grey matter behind it to move faster than the approximate pace of a hut, is so that House Quarter, and Quat by extension, don't catch any of the blowback from the outrage that's likely already occurring and about to occur when people start baying for blood. That was a hell of a political favor to just give away, especially since the only other target for the outrage beside the Sixth Company would be... Oh. Oh, Force. It seems you've just realized something, Alan noted frostily. But Sev couldn't even begin to care about that because he'd just realized that... Care to enlighten us? The prince continued, and Zev, he just... I'll be blaming the Academy, Zev stated bluntly. Seeing the bigger picture and yet barely believing that it was real, they'll be blaming the Academy for not vetting their staff and guests or providing adequate security, and by extension they'll be blaming Compnor. He breathed deeply. And Lord Vader is encouraging that angle by shielding the Quarrows with his intervention. Silence sat in the room like a granite block, heavy, dense, and immovable. But Zev's thoughts were racing at light speed as he saw how the media circus would unfold in his mind's eye. The supreme commander and heir of the Empire is deliberately setting up one of his own branches of government to take the heat— instead of what could have been a convenient patsy if he was willing to expend just a fraction of effort. He muttered as he began to sort through the rest of the ever-expanding vision of just how this was going to blow up. But for what and why? There was no way this wasn't done for something incredibly important. The Empire didn't tolerate any tarnish to its image whenever a situation popped up. So for the second highest authority in it to make a backroom deal with two lesser nobles, powerful nobles certainly, but nowhere near the influence of the Emperor and his Empire, for the protection of their image and intergalactic relationships was just... That wasn't how politics worked, it just wasn't. Darth Vader wouldn't throw his own damn government under the speeder unless... I believe, Tyrion began quietly, that my life debt factors into it in some way. It was to anchor in something much bigger... Something that could be much more valuable. Life debt? Van Laura's question broke straight through his musings, and with a shock he was back in the present instead of the endless loops of holy shit as the implications of all this sunk in. What do you mean life debt? she asked. The wraith won't, but the house quarrel will. Tyrion interrupted gently, folding his hands in his lap. Our assistant 
already reported back that Luke holds no debt against us, and will ask for no rewards, but that doesn't negate what he did. Alon grunted and gave a small nod. I expect similar rewards from when my own parents managed to get clearing to enter Chitamaske. Right, because the military had apparently blockaded the entire capital city of Quat until they could be certain that they'd apprehended the entire Sixth Company while they were all down and out for the count. The fact that this was one of the lesser items on the list of shit to deal with really was starting to bring home just how far this whole thing had already cascaded. They won't accept that, that there is no debt, Tyrion agreed quietly, seemingly trying his best not to think too hard about the fact that he was agreeing on a topic with Alon. And even if they did accept, others would not. They'd be seen as miserly, ungrateful, and shirking their debts by their allies and enemies alike. Alon nodded with a low sound, looking uncomfortable within his own skin for a moment, seemingly as discomforted by this whole situation as Tyrion was. My parents won't accept this either, he agreed quietly. Not when... not when one of my protectors gave his life in order to protect me from the same danger the Wraith did. It'd be showing a weakness to the rest of high society that they simply wouldn't be able to tolerate. Neither would my dad, Sev admitted quietly. Thinking back to the conversation of yesterday, Lord Vader had told his dad to talk to him, but now, knowing what he did, he had to wonder if something else hadn't been discussed, too. Technically, they were all adults and could bear their own debts, technically. But the argument already fell apart when considering Alon and Tyrion both the sole heirs to whole systems and the vast economical empire that was the backbone of trade across the galaxy and the main ship supplier to a large part of the galaxy on Tyrion's part as well. If their parents wanted their destiny to continue, responsibility would need to be taken alongside their children for the life debts accrued, a life debt that ensured that their dynasty would have a chance to continue. Quinn might be a different story. He, too, was the heir of one of the largest supply companies in the world, but unlike Tyrion, Alon, and even Zev, he was the youngest of three and was already disfavored for his inclinations toward music instead of business. But even so, the story of his rescue wouldn't stay quiet, and when it finally came out, the Montadors, too, would have to choose how they presented themselves to their allies and enemies alike. And then there was him. Ostensibly, his dad had no reason to agree to share his debt. He himself had already sworn loyalty to Luke in return for his safety and rescue, and he could perfectly well uphold that oath himself. It would be acceptable in the eyes of wider society, too, with service being a traditional, if uncommon, way to repay life debts for people who aren't royalty or aristocracy. The fact that he would be getting paid, and paid well for said service, wouldn't really be of issue to the wider public as long as he was loyal. Ostensibly, he had this whole thing covered, and his dad wouldn't have to worry whatsoever. In a few years, once the frenzy had died down around this incident, he likely wouldn't even be able to move on if he wanted to. Luke would let him go. He knew that much. Would likely even write him a recommendation if he didn't fuck up too badly in the coming years. But... But his dad was a man of honor, if nothing else, a man of honor, and his... And his dad, he loved him, and it seemed that... that he was trying to get better at showing that again. He... It was hard to say for certain, but maybe, maybe his dad would have decided to share in his burden. 
And in that case, Lord Vader would have... He breathed deeply, in and out. His dad could make his own choices, and he would have to trust them, or at least something close to it. They could work on that later, for now he knew what his own debts were, and also that Luke would never cash in on them even as the public would insist otherwise, or at least that he wouldn't cash in on them in a way that would be a danger to him. Probably. Luke sometimes had a strange idea of what was and wasn't normal and harmless. Case in point, his choice of mentor, friend, companion. Whatever the fuck he and Lord Vader were to each other. Whatever ended up happening would be fine, probably. Luke had more than proven his willingness to go to any length in order to uphold the oath he'd given. He sighed. So that's... Three life debts in play. He summed up to the room, noting that more than one seemed to be watching him already. Four, if the Montador family can't escape social pressure or allow themselves to be convinced by Luke. He rubbed a hand over his face as he tried to get all his facts in a row. And regardless of Luke's feelings in the matter, Lord Vader seems to be encouraging that fact. And I can guarantee, he continued firmly, cutting Val off before she could say anything, watching her slowly close her mouth. But the public will agree with him. This isn't Tatooine. And what Luke did has no cultural precedent of easy dismissal. True, Quinn muttered, scratching along the edge of his beard. I may have failed political science, but even I know that my family is going to be tying themselves in knots over what Sir did— I have no idea what their reaction will be, but they won't be able to easily duck out of this. He clicked his tongue. I don't like to say this, but I think Sir is stuck with them, regardless of if he wants it or not. And it seems Lord Vader is of the opinion that they can be useful to the point of throwing Kultner under the bus, Zeb muttered. So I think it's safe to say that he is planning something. Something grand enough to need some serious political weight behind it. Something that would likely involve Luke, seeing as, regardless of the fact that it was Lord Vader anchoring the debts in with an extra favor or two, the debts themselves were owed to Luke. And the longer he thought about it, the less he wanted to know exactly what that plan was, even as his curiosity surged. There was little wisdom in pursuing the line of questioning that ended with, what is the famously homicidal and secretive heir to the Empire planning by conducting backroom deals involving life debts and conspiracies against his own government? Even as said heir was apparently sworn not to touch any of them as long as they were under Luke's protection, the better part of wisdom was knowing when to fold and keep your mouth shut. Maybe we should stop this line of questioning, Sev noted faintly. How so? asked Quinn and Val made a small agreeable noise. Because I want you to question whether it's really the smartest idea to seriously speculate on the topic, what is Darth Vader doing, that involves conspiracy and secrecy? Zev shot back. Quinn abruptly paled until his skin had taken on an ashy hue and the general mood in the room froze solid, as they all remembered just what they were speculating on. Right, he agreed faintly. I'll shut up now. Zev sighed and leaned back into his pile of pillows, feeling thoroughly exhausted even as he was faintly aware that he'd only been awake for a few hours. His wound twinged underneath his bandages and he grimaced as he pressed a hand to it, rubbing the back to patches a little further into the flesh and getting the distinct, 
unpleasant tingling sensation of back dirt work in return. He gritted his teeth and closed his eyes for a moment, trying to brace himself to get through it. And there was a soft sound from the side of his bed, and he could feel the mattress flexing as someone moved across it. Zev, are you all right? Tyrion's voice asked, much closer than he remembered it previously being, and opening up his eyes, yup. There was suddenly an eyeful of Tyrion leaning in over him with a concerned expression, far closer than he expected, and with big, worried, pale green eyes that really shouldn't look that pretty while the silver of his circlet reflected glittering spots of light into them. Tyrion, Quinn said from the side, dry as dust. Personal space, dude, it's a thing. Oh, Tyrion muttered blushing bright red as he moved off a bit. Right. And suddenly Zev could breathe again. He should probably still ask the doctors to check if the fall hadn't given him arrhythmia, though, because his heart should not be going that fast while lying flat in a bed. What the fuck was up with him lately? It was probably just stress, but still. Still, Quinn continued, leaning forward. You okay, bro? Yeah, he groaned pressing a hand back to his bandages. My wound just twinged, but it should be fine soon. He sighed softly. I guess I'm just tired. Even if it's only been a few hours. You're still the healing, Tyrion noted quietly, scanning an eye over the bandages wrapped around his chest, even as a dusting of red still sat high in his cheeks. And I guess we have been keeping you busy for a while now. You. Have been keeping him busy, Zariah corrected pointedly. We have been keeping both us and him as calm and quiet as we can be, for the healer's orders. Zev pushed himself up a little and lifted an eyebrow at Zariah, receiving a mischievous wink and nod in return. Glancing aside to Quinn and Alan, the former looking more than a little sheepish and the latter staring right back at him and giving an imperious sniff. Guys, he said drawing out the word slowly as a grin began to form. Have you not been ignoring doctor's orders that caution against wearing me out? I... Tyrion fisted his hands in his velvet robes, the fabric crunching softly underneath his fingers. We didn't mean to, he mumbled softly. But maybe... I mean, you did bring him a video you knew would have him up and about with intent. Thal pointed out lazily from where she was still reclined against Lackmere, the Wookiee churring softly in amusement. Hm, <laughs> Alon huffed out, waving off the casual accusation. Meditales. It was necessary to inform him if he's going to keep up in his role as secretary. That was true, but it wouldn't stop him from giving Alon the evil eye as the prince haughtily made his assertion. Then the words sunk in. Fuck. The video. He groaned as he fell back against his pillows again. Fuck, he muttered, rubbing his hand over his bandages and grimacing as the wound twinged again. I completely forgot about that. You really should stop doing that, Tyrion mumbled as he carefully pulled Zev's hand away from his bandages, rubbing soft fingers over the back of Zev's hand and palm. It looks painful. Zev swallowed hard and nodded carefully. I, all right, he answered, proud of the fact that his voice didn't crack when Tyrion smiled sweetly, still rubbing softly at Zev's hand. A coughing laugh sounded through the room. 
and on a sheer reflex he glared at Quinn as the other man tried to hide a grin in his sleeve under the guise of coughing. Narrowing his eyes, he waited until Quinn met his eyes and squared his jaw when he did, receiving only a wide grin in return as well as a subtle thumbs up while Zariah snorted softly next to him, lifting her mantles up to hide her mouth. Alon, however, rolled his eyes. If you're all quite finished flirting, he snipped prissily. We actually do have to get to that video sometime soon if we want to get on top of the narrative. And damn it, Alon was actually right, even as Zev somewhat resented that fact. Right, he grunted, propping himself up against the pillows and trying to clear his mind from the utterly buck-wild information he'd just learned. Let's get to it. Finally, Alon groused, winding his way back around the bed with a frosty glare towards Quinn that was met in kind as he waltzed by. Quinn still had no idea what that was about, but both seemed to have reached some sort of understanding that he was utterly excluded from, and happy to be so, to be perfectly honest, it looked painful. With a couple of long strides, Alon had rounded the bed and primly set himself down in the place Tyrion had recently vacated, boxing the two of them in, which wasn't something he was opposed to necessarily, but it definitely gave him pause for a moment. All right, Alon said crossing one leg over the other at the knee. You know what the video says, you know what the people say. I say that we ensure that no one is spreading anything they shouldn't and try to persuade the poster to take down the video. Zev clicked his tongue, refocusing on the matter at hand. There was little he could do about the wider situation, city blockades, military campaigns, and widespread death, and widespread death, there was little he could do about that. He wasn't a fighter even as he'd somewhat held his own against the mercs. But this, this he could handle, this he knew how to handle. I suggest otherwise, Zev said, searching around for his calm and shooting Tyrion a grateful smile when he got it pressed into his hand by the air. Suppressing the information now that it's already out there would only draw more attention and make people curious. Instead, I suggest confirming what they already know and framing it as a creative project. Best to hide what we don't want people to see in plain sight— no one will ask for the questions if they think they already know everything there is to something, and no one will dig any deeper if it seems that this is all there is. He tapped his fingers against the side of his calm in a drum roll. Best way to hide a white nerf was to paint it brown and hide it amongst the herd, after all. But was there anything else that might need to be done for that? Oh, right. We might want to get someone to slice the account that posted it and have someone take over in order to make sure there'll be no contradictory statements to. Zev and Iran is an afterthought trying to figure out if the fact that he felt almost nothing at the idea of hijacking an account like that was a good or bad thing, he tentatively assigned the bland feeling a value of morally neutral to grey and moved on. That is, if we can't find the original poster amongst the staff and convince them to hand it over themselves, which should have probably been his plan A now that he thought about it, or at least rank higher in the list than theft. He could probably blame Luke's influence for that as well, yeah, that sounded about right. I'll text the head butler about locating the person responsible, Tyrion agreed, pulling out his own calm. They're responsible for managing the staff here and will know who could have been present in the, the courtyard. He nodded along with the words, mentally shelving contacting a slicer until they were certain Tyrion's method wouldn't get any results. I'll leave that to you then, he agreed, scrolling through the comments on the video. Quinn, you've still got your music channel, right? He asked, an idea slowly forming in his mind. Yeah, I do, Quinn agreed promptly, fishing out his own calm. What do you need it for? 
think you can convincingly set yourself up as being the original composer and sound mixer of the video's more musical qualities, he asked, tapping the replay button and letting the sound echo through the room. Thunder and rain, yes, but the curious, musical howling, crooning, chittering, and humming sounds that Luke produced to serenade the room with, sounds that were far removed from human and underscored strange, rumbling echoes and trilling, soaring overtones that layered in upon themselves until one could believe several voices were singing at once. Quinn closed his eyes for a moment, pensive as he weighed the music bit for bit, tapping his finger along to a beat Zev couldn't deduce from the music itself. I could, he decided eventually, opening his eyes again. I need a bit of time to get a convincing video out of the creative process, but I could. Good, that'll be your role then, Zev announced going back to sorting through the rest of the comments. Announce that you were proud to work on this collab with, he checked the username, Solusteria somewhere on your linked socials. Link to the video and tell them the creative process behind it was a blast to work on. Got it, Quinn agreed, promptly beginning to tap away on his calm, strike another thing off of the to-do list. And alone, Zev continued, ticking through the remaining list of things they would need to do. You're going looking for this poster's DMs wherever you can find them and requesting to talk to them about the situation they've created. Try as many avenues as possible in case they check some more often than others. Alan raised an eyebrow that sat primly over a frosty look. I resent being ordered around, he informed Zev evenly, even as he picked up the calm, presumably to do as ordered. And I resent being made to do this while I'm recovering from getting shot, but none of us can have it all, he snapped back already scrolling through the rest of the comments to check for what else could be done, before glancing up at the remaining three desert dwellers. Also, well, you're not helping up. Before he could finish his sentence, something slammed against the outside of the door with enough force to make the metal rattle. Shutting his mouth with a click, he frowned at the thing, glancing around the room to see if anyone else knew anything else before the door slid open with a hiss. With long strides and a black cloak dancing around his heels, Luke swept into the room as the door shut behind him, mask firmly fixed in place. Blinking at the sudden appearance of his boss, Zev thought for just a second too long about what to say before Luke strode past him, not looking up or around in the slightest. With seven long strides, the runner had crossed the breadth of the room, and from one moment to the next had unlocked the latch on one of the windows, swinging it open to allow a blast of cold, fresh air to enter that smelled heavily of rain and ozone. Blinking again, Zev opened his mouth again and was distantly pleased to find that this time actual sound would leave his lips. Luke, what? he tried to ask, but abruptly cut off as the runner hopped up onto the windowsill and then over, clinging only to the frame by his hands. Reaching back into the room, Luke grabbed the window by the frame and then began to pull it shut, pausing only to look around the room until his eyes came to rest on Zev and Tyrion, sparing them a quick smile before growing deadly serious again. I he began, pointing a finger in their direction just to underscore the statement. Was never here. Understood? Zev blinked again, but slowly nodded, distantly grasping that it probably wasn't in his best interest to say no here. Understood? he agreed faintly. Luke smiled wide for a moment, but there was something feral about it that crept in at the edges. Excellent, he chirped, before turning to Zariah, who was situated just beside the window. Do me a favor and latch the window back shut once I close it. Sure, she agreed without hesitation or visible bemusement. Thanks, Luke responded with a grin, and with that, 
The window pulled shut, and he disappeared over the window ledge to force knows where, leaving the rest of them trying to comprehend what they'd just witnessed while Zariah stood up, flipped the latch, and sat back down, beginning on some kind of grooming ritual on her montrals. He opened and closed his mouth a few times, failing to come up with any kind of string of sounds that could encompass what had just happened. Well, was the thing that finally came out of his mouth, flat and somewhat faint. That happened. Sir just went out the freaking window and that's all you have to say, Quinn commented just as flatly, only the slightest edge of hysteria creeping in around the fringes of his tone. He's fine, Val dismissed, like mere chuffing out a sound that seems to be agreement before rumbling out a far lower growl that had Val nodding. Probably, she agreed, grabbing a few strands of fur to start a new braid. In any case, he wasn't here, so it doesn't matter. Right, Sev agreed eventually, blinking twice before going back to his calm, firmly filing the last minute under the nope category and leaving it at that. Anyway, are you not going to help? Another thump from the door. Am I going to keep being interrupted, apparently? He finished crabbily, glancing at the door as he dropped his calm again. Come in, he called towards the door. You might as well, he finished with a mutter. Then the air froze in his lungs. Froze. And he swore he could see it forming clouds of condensation out of his breath as the hairs on his neck stood straight on end. Oh. I know who is behind that door, was all that flashed through his still mind in the second before the door slid open with a hiss. The sound of a respirator crept into the room like fog gliding along the ground, and Zev hysterically patted himself on the back mentally for guessing right in some distant corner of his brain that hadn't abruptly frozen solid. Darth Vader entered the room, a sweeping shadow around whom a drift of frozen air was a permanent companion drifting around his feet along with the hem of his cloak, blank yet piercing red lenses swept over the room and its frozen occupants, and it was impossible to get a read out of them as the Lord stepped into the room, trying to steal himself before the lenses swept onto him and stayed there. Suddenly the knowledge that this was the first meeting between them since he'd learned his secret was out became unavoidable, and the terror of facing the single most relentless rebel hunter in the galaxy with nothing but a comforter and the word of the hunter himself protecting him became a lot harder to swallow down. Young Veers, the Lord greeted with the barest dip of his head, low and rumbling like a rock slide, and suddenly Zev had the notion that perhaps he wasn't the only one thinking of the secret that stretched between the two of them. How strange that that thought didn't comfort him in the slightest. Lord Vader, he greeted in turn, dipping his head into as formal of a bow as he could without taking his eyes off of the Lord for even a second. What brings you here? The Dark Lord didn't answer him immediately, merely staring at him for a moment that stretched on for an eternity, and Zeb was impressed that his nerves hadn't yet completely fried through with how his heart was beating loud enough in his throat to likely be heard across the room. Then at last the Lord tilted his head, just a bit, but it was enough to make goosebumps rise on his skin, and answered. I am looking for Luke, the grating growl revealed slowly, carefully, 
like a predator circling prey. Laquaras and I have a matter to discuss with him that he has been avoiding. With a start, Zev and the rest of the room registered the presence of Lord and Lady Quara, half hidden in Lord Vader's immense presence and shadow. Looking more than a little discomforted by the situation, but far more certain than any of them, whatever needed to be discussed, it was apparently important enough that they could overcome the inherent discomfort of existing within Lord Vader's immediate vicinity. But Luke had given his orders. As far as they were concerned, he'd never been here. Did that include Lord Vader, though? The one who Luke, too, took his marching orders from whenever he apparently wasn't giving them to the spectral behemoth in front of him in turn. More importantly, did he dare? Lying to Lord Vader couldn't be considered wise in the furthest reaches of the concept, not if even half of the whispered rumors about him were even something approaching half-truths. Never mind the fact that the Lord already had one hell of a reason to want to catch him out on anything that could be used against him. He was trying very hard not to think about that fact, thank you very much. Lord Vader shifted his stance, shoulders rolling underneath the armor like that of a large predator reorienting itself, eyes still locked on to Zev from behind those nightmarish lenses as he completed the strangely inhuman movement. Tilting his head again, the Lord regarded him for a moment longer, and Zev couldn't and wouldn't want to know what he was thinking while he did that. Do you know where Luke is, young Veers? Lord Vader rumbled out. And the question landed like a block of lead on Zev's shoulders. Yes? Zev resisted flinching as the answer rang through his head, holding the scarlet gaze with as little outward fear as he could. He knew the wise answer to give here, the true answer to give here. The answer that wasn't what Luke ordered but would serve him the best, but what left his lips was. No, my lord, I don't. He lied through his teeth, even as he saw nothing but red, red, red. The lord slowly drew himself up to his full height, light shifting across the gleaming but battle-scarred plastisteel as he considered Zev's answer. The cold intensified briefly, just for a moment, just long enough to elicit an involuntary shiver as it ghosted through his body with the single breath he could take. Lord Vader spoke, strangely soft. Liar. And solidified in his veins. Fear ricocheted through him like a pinball gone mad before lodging somewhere in his throat, forming a barrier that was hard to swallow around. But he didn't back down. If this was how he died, then force damn it, he was committing. If he died, at least he wouldn't die a coward. But the lenses left him as the gaze swiveled around, ghosting over the other occupants of the room in a lazy arc before rebounding and coming to rest on a window just above Zariah and pinning the poor girl in place underneath it like a bug in a nature collection. The window Luke had just left through. Fuck. The lenses shifted away from the window just a fraction, but enough that Zev knew they were looking at him once more from their corners. He left through that window, did he not? The Lord asked. Voice softer than Zev ever knew it could be, and somehow all the more terrifying for it. 
This was his chance, he knew, his chance to backpedal and tell the blood-curdling spectre what he wanted to know. And it wasn't like it would matter, he already knew, he already... I wouldn't know, my lord, he said, words tumbling over his lips, shivering at the edges but steady enough to almost fool someone into thinking he wasn't terrified out of his force-forsaken mind, as he wasn't here. And that was probably going to be his eulogy, judging from how the Lord was watching him, still and eerie like only a predator could be. But he'd almost died more than once over the last couple of days, and faced down his dad like he never thought he could. So maybe he didn't care, or maybe he was just beyond caring. Or maybe he was just too scared to realize he cared. That was a distinct possibility, too, he realized as cold sweat beaded along the back of his neck. But Lord Vader didn't kill him, didn't reach out to him with the same horror that had committed wholesale slaughter on the Sixth Company not so many days ago, and merely stared. And then... You are loyal to him, the Lord noted. And that, somehow more than anything, yanked the rug out from under him and launched his heart back into his throat. You are afraid? The Lord continued. Lenses tilting to face him just a fraction further. But loyal. A low, grating, staticky hum thrummed through the air as the Lord dipped his head slightly as if... as if in approval. He chose you well. The he was no mystery at all, and Zev distinctly felt like he'd just been bestowed some kind of honor as a bit of warmth crept back into his system. He finally managed to swallow down his fears again and dipped his head in return, quite a bit deeper as a mark of appropriate respect. Thank you, my lord. A low rumble shook through the air, rattling his nerves and composure just enough to unsettle, but incredibly, it seemed to be Lord Vader's seal of final approval. As he fully turned away from Zev, the matter apparently settled. Blood-red lenses turned to face the window Luke had left through, and Zev didn't even bother to try and persuade the Lord that he had it wrong. And there was being loyal and following orders, and then there was just being a fool. Another low rumble shook the air, and Zev swore he could almost feel it in his bones with how low that sound vibrated. It reminded him of the nature documentaries he used to watch, and how often the large bull animals would shake the speakers of his projector with the depth of their calls. With a strange clicking noise, the Lord made his decision, and a curt gesture towards the window had it swinging open as if given a silent command. He wasn't going to question that, nope. It was also the exact moment that Zev could tell something was seriously off, as the second that the fresh air hit his skin, he was baffled to find that he now registered it as warm. Yet another thing he was absolutely not questioning, no way, no how. Return to your office and arrange what you need, Lord Vader said addressing the quarters over his shoulder as a gust of wind blew into the room, flaring the Lord's cloak wide. 
I will retrieve Luke and return with him as soon as is possible. My lord, the countess spoke up. Are you certain? Perhaps you wish to pursue Luke in my place, Lady Quora? Lord Vader suggested, not so much stepping as swaying aside to clear the path to the open window for the countess, not even bothering to turn around as those scarlet lenses glared back over his shoulder. The countess glanced between the open window through which air was flowing into the room and the Dark Lord posited to, apparently, leap out of it much like a certain protege of his had done so earlier. Zev could visibly see her coming to the correct conclusion in barely a split second before she stepped back with a small bow of her head. My husband and I will ensure all is ready when you return with the engineer, my lord, she agreed with as much grace and dignity as one could in such a situation. The lord rumbled out another inhuman sound and dipped his head in acknowledgement. Without another word or glance, the dark specter strode to the window and seemed to glide through it like smoke not breaking stride for even a moment. With a final, chilling flare of cold air, the window silently swung shut just as the last of the black cloak's hem slipped over the windowsill like water, latching shut with a soft click. And then it was silent. Zev breathed in deeply for a moment, not taking his eyes off of the window and feeling vaguely like he was drifting outside of his own body now that he wasn't running on sheer adrenaline and uncomprehending terror, which probably wasn't a good sign, but he'd take what he could get at the moment, since it didn't seem like he would be getting a break any time soon. Never mind the fact that he was literally still lying in his sickbed. Nothing and no one seemed to care about that enough to actually let him rest. He needed to pencil in time to be salty about that later probably either before or after he had his crisis on the probable existence of some very critical entities. Lightning doesn't do that, storms don't do that, lightning doesn't do that, storms don't... And then schedule a nice long nap after. He'd probably put this one in before either of those, just to have a warm-up on his meltdown after. Yeah, that sounded about right. He paused in the middle of his thoughts and breathed in deep, for he needed therapy. Barring that a nice long vacation or perhaps a gap year. Instead, he was probably going to be looking at decorating his bunk in about a week or two's time aboard a ship with 1.5 million other people. The man, entity, lord he'd just lied to and maybe tentatively won the approval of and his dad while working for a guy who a terrorist act had just been committed over. He should probably also schedule in a prayer after his breakdown to whatever he'd by then realized was real if he was planning to survive this. He breathed in deeply again, closed his eyes, pinched the bridge of his nose to carefully work the headache he could feel beginning to build behind his eyes, and then opened them again to face the world reluctantly. Right, he commented, startling the whole room into jumping since apparently none of them felt quite as hollow inside as he did. That happened. He paused and contemplated his sentence for a second. Again? He amended, and yeah, that sounded better. Quite, Alan agreed weakly, still glancing back at the window and pale enough that Zev would have asked him if he needed iron supplements if this was their first meeting. I th does anyone else suddenly feel like it's freezing? Tyrion squeaked faintly wrapping his arms around himself and shivering, and yeah, Zev noticed that too, 
even as he was still sitting happily underneath his warm and thick comforter. The whole shirtless save for a few bandages look was perhaps convenient for the doctors and nurses working on him, but it did leave something to be desired in the warmth retention department. Yeah, Val agreed, shivering in her flounced top and skirt. Not to be cruel, but I'm freezing my nips off here. With a soft growl, Lakmir wrapped her large and furry arms around the shivering twilight in what admittedly looked like a very comfortable and warm embrace. Thanks, love, Val muttered. A soft and uncomfortable cough could be heard from the quarters, neither seeming to know quite what to do in the current situation, and who could blame them? The driving force behind their arrival had quite literally thrown himself out of a window. It really was just one of those days. Right, the countess said, looking just a smidge awkward but managing it well. That uh, situation should correct itself shortly now that Lord Vader decided to leave. It does tend to have a rather detrimental effect on the thermostat, the Count agreed with his wife lightly, almost faintly. Still, discussions must be had, my dear. Right you are, Countess Quanner agreed, and her demeanor smoothed out like fabric under steam with an efficiency that Sev could only admire. Tyrion, Button, are you ready to join us? Zev couldn't quite tell if it was a question or simply phrased like one, but Tyrion seemed to know the answer either way. Yes, Mama, he answered, smoothing out the front of his robes, just to give me a moment to finish up here. With those words, the Countess briefly glanced over with such speed that he thought he might have imagined if he didn't know better than to doubt his gut when it came to slips of composure. Of course, Button, she agreed, sweeping around to face the door with all the grace of a professional ice skater. Do what you need to do with your friends. We'll head on ahead in case his lordship returns sooner than expected, the Count added, stepping aside to open the door back up for his wife. Join us when you're ready. And in a whisper of velvet and the tinkling of jewelry, the Count and Countess left the room, the door hissing as it closed behind them, leaving only their air behind to nervously shift and straighten out his own velvet robes. I guess I should be going, Tyrion mumbled, fiddling with his earring. I'll make sure to talk to the head butler and get the poster located, and, well, I guess I'm going to see how this will be resolved. With hunched shoulders and a troubled expression, Tyrion looked to be none too happy about that, but then he supposed very little of them were getting exactly what they wanted today. So instead he tried for a warm smile and bumped his shoulders softly into Tyrion in what he hoped, prayed, was a comforting gesture. Thank you, Tyrion, Zev muttered. If we can get this sorted, it'll be one less thing to worry about later on. Oh, and speaking of which, and considering that that would probably end up more work for me anyway, I'd say I owe you one, he noted as an afterthought, recalling the original plan A and grinning wider at the air. Anything that didn't involve him having to navigate getting a probable fugitive slicer on the contact list while rooming and working aboard the flagship of the Empire was probably a good thing. A charming blush flushed high on Tyrion's cheeks, and he nodded rapidly. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. I, I should, I should probably go now. Yeah, Tyrion squeaked and stammered, hastily getting back up and brushing out his robes back into form. A snort from behind him gave away exactly what Quinn thought of this whole debacle, and he knew that if he looked over right now, 
He could probably also see Alun rolling his eyes while the three desert dwellers looked on with their cryptic expressions of amusement, but who had the time for that? So instead, he flipped Quinn the bird behind his back and ignored all the rest. You probably should, he agreed. Only a little reluctant. Definitely only a little, as Tyrion got ready to leave. If for no other reason than to tell us how this whole thing with Luke shakes out. I will, Tyrion agreed with a small smile. Wouldn't want you to have to go into your job blind, he added with a small wink. You're a lifesaver, Zev replied sincerely. Honestly, anything that could help him keep up with Luke even just a fraction better was a good thing in his book. Tyrion squeaked, blushed harder, nodded a bit too hard, and eventually smiled softly before turning around and leaving the room. Through a door, thankfully, because his parents had raised him with sensibilities that didn't put Zev in the awkward position of having three for three use his room as a through pass to the window. It was the little things today. Breathing deeply, he picked up his calm again to go back to work when he unfortunately finally caught the shared glances that he knew had been going on behind his back, and now couldn't pretend didn't exist any longer specifically because Quinn was looking unusually smug at a very, very irate Alun, and he really just didn't want to deal with that right now. Is there a problem? he asked pointedly, because whatever the hell was brewing between Quinn and Alun was not something he wanted to touch, even with a stick, not even a long one. As an answer, he got the single most exasperated look from Quinn that he'd ever seen, and a dramatic eye-roll that would have made any theater major proud from Alun. Only that I resent you've proven Montador correct, Alon sniped. You really are pathetically oblivious. Hey, Quinn protested. I didn't call him pathetic. Do you deny it? Alon shot back. And Zev was both outraged and so, so tired when Quinn opened his mouth only to close it again. Exactly, the prince finished smugly. Pinching the bridge of his nose again, he breathed in deep and let it out. Look, he muttered, glaring over his pinched fingers at the two. I frankly couldn't care less about what you do or don't think I am. Just get to work so we can finally get this video sorted. That got him two looks in return that he didn't even bother with because, again, he wanted to touch exactly none of what was going on between those two. So instead, he focused his attention on the three desert dwellers who were watching the drama still as amused as ever, and raised one pointed eyebrow at them. And you? he asked. Are you not going to help us out, or are you just sitting this one out? Depends, Al responded with a cheeky grin that spelled nothing good for his growing headache. You still haven't told us what we meant to do, though. Zariah nodded, not even bothering to hide her grin at all. I don't know if we can work for someone who has such an unruly workplace. Or such a frazzled countenance, Val added with a barely stifled laugh. May we suggest some solid bed rest, perhaps, Zariah continued, giggling through the words. It might be just what the doctor ordered. Thou and Lackmere didn't even bother to stifle their laughter anymore, and Zev flopped back on his bed as it filled the room, covering his eyes for just a moment as he tried to remember why he let them all come over in the first place, and why that video just existing as it did was such a bad thing. He'd get around to solving it eventually, he knew, but for now... He guessed it was just one of those days. The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jack Darkrai, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. 
If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.